This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's political and everything beyond on Beyond Politics. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This zombie apocalypse sucks, man. Damn it. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Matt, Brett here today. Jeff Stein going to be joining us. Anita Gall's going to join us here in the 4 o'clock hour. She is with the group that's trying to redesign the state flag. So we're going to talk to her about the process and what that's all about. Uh, we're supposed to be in the zombie apocalypse right now. Um, are you feeling zombie-esque? Zombie-ish? I'm kind of hungry, maybe, sir, for some flesh. Well, so. well, I mean, but we're talking burgers, chicken, what? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was just that, yeah. You know, because, I mean, I'm sorry, you know, if I'm a zombie, and I'm walking down the street, and I see some sweaty dude running, and I see a Popeye's, come on, this isn't a, they got biscuits at Popeye's, man. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I might be hungry, but I'm not that hungry. Why not kill two birds with one stone and get the people coming out of Popeyes? Well, but you see, is I want I don't want the people. I'll just I mean I've got cash. I mean I mean okay, just because I'm a zombie doesn't mean You're I am not civilized for God's sakes. <laughs> a I mean, civilized zombie. I mean, we have standards and stuff, don't we? I, I uh, in case you missed it, uh, fun little fun little side note uh, of today. Uh, today, we're, we're supposed to all become zombies uh, because anti-vaxxers are insane. Uh, this actually, uh, from Rolling Stone, uh, published this. Uh, if is There is a zombie apocalypse activated by 5G towers on the way, wrote the QAnon influencer behind the Telegram channel called The Patriot Voice, otherwise known as The Idiot, who is followed by more than 50,000 people. More idiots. In a post share at the end of September, the message cites a supposed military expert's claim that COVID-19 vaccines contain sealed pathogens, including E. coli bacteria and the viruses Marburg and Ebola, all of which will be released by a 15 gigahertz 5G frequency. I don't think that's how it works. I, I... You know, you, 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 did you get your science from the movie Armageddon? I mean, because did you get that? Because it sounds like you got your science from the movie Armageddon. FEMA plans on doing a test of the EBS today. Did you get that test? Loud as all get go. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it was get, nice and loud. Yeah, yeah. Did did the studio go off? Because I mean, Rose Radio Station was the EBS would go off. Yeah, yeah. We had ours going too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was phones. It was everything. Sirens went off. It was a federal. They do one, one test a year as a federal test of the FEMA, of the emergency broadcast system. Basically, that's what you had. And these brain trusts came up with the idea. First of all, can I just tell you how mad I am at you knuckleheads because I'm not magnetized yet? Do you know how hard it is to find a pen at times? I was just waiting for, you know, you need me to sign something. Well, let me just grab up. Here we go. There's the pen. Right there on my head. Where are my keys? Here they are. 
You guys promised me magnetization. This was the beginning of my superhero story, and you have failed me, QAnon frauds. If you're going to promise me this stuff, now I'm supposed to be zombie man today. I don't know exactly what kind of superpowers that is, you know, eating, I guess. You can be magnetized, though. Magnetized zombies. Wait a second here. Now we might be on to something. Or on something. It's one of the two. It's, it's, it's a close narrative. They've already apparently put out a post saying, because we mentioned this, we scared them off from doing it. How insane do you have to be? I mean, this is like not a good Bond villain. This is like a really bad Bond villain where you're, you're, you basically, you come up with this, this plan that's going to happen, but I stopped it because my 50,000 person telegram channel broadcasts the truth in a planet of what? 8 billion people. You guys are idiots. You guys are just plain idiots. That's like the guys who always uh, make those predictions. The world is going to end on this date. Then when it doesn't happen, well, my calculation was wrong. But the next time I haven't dialed down, this is when it's going to end. Well, and I, you know, does that really get you, get you, you know, some sex? I mean, I mean, I have to ask it because that's got to be what it is. You know, it's, 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 I hate, I mean, it's, it's got to be something so plain and banal. It's it just like the world's going to end. Who's going out with me? You know, that sort of thing. I mean, is it, I mean, it, does it really work as a, you know, pickup line? Oh, so you think they're kind of a dating service? I think it than, is when know, it's the world. You... The I mean, or I mean, was this? I mean, well, I don't. I think the, the zombie thing's too stupid. That's QAnon. But I mean, the, these these guys with the cults were like, oh no, the world's going to end. Who wants to be part of my harem? <laughs> okay. And yet they do. I'm, I'm guessing that's what happens. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I was off by three weeks. So I guess we have to keep the harem going. Yeah, well, whatever floats your boat, man. I mean, I, I, I don't judge, you know. You know, grab a, grab, grab a bucket of oil and into the pit you go. Have fun in the grotto. But stop it. <laughs> stop it. Especially if you're promising us cool things like laser vision or something like that. Come on, man. You can't just, you can't float that out there and, and act like all of a sudden you're going to take it back. I mean, this is my X-Man story, isn't it? Yeah. They never, yeah, whenever they have side effects from whatever medical things are out there, they're never good side effects. They're always, yeah, yeah, bad things. They're not like, yeah, you're going to get x-ray like, vision. It's not like my fourth finger's fi- fingernail is just basically all of a sudden five feet long. And it's like, well, wow, wow, that's weird. No, it's never that. It's, you know, look at me, I'm strong. You know, uh, it's, yeah. One punch man, hello. Um, so worst zombie apocalypse ever. I'll get Jeff Stein's take on that here in a little bit. Oh, I'm sure he has a lot of thoughts on zombies. He, uh, seems, he strikes me as being a big zombie. Oh, guy. yeah, you know, he's Johnny Q. Jeez, I can't say that. Johnny Q. He's, he's, I can't say that. He's not Q. Uh, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Before we get to him, let me talk about some local politics. Now, first of all, obviously, it's a mess in Washington, D.C., and so now the question is, who is going to become the new Speaker of the House? 
And shockingly, Jim Jordan, Steve Scalise, and it sounds like Tom Emmer have all put their names in. Why? I don't know. But the problem with McCarthy was this. You have such a slim majority. When you get into a leadership position, you can't do what Republicans think that you can do, which is, we're going to force them to do what we want. You you can't. You're just not going to be able to. And as a matter of fact, all you do is end up creating um, a lot of excitement for the other side of the aisle with your belligerence, for lack of a better way to say it. And... There seems to be this mentality. There's like 40 to 50 Republicans right now in the U.S. House who feel as if they can basically force the Senate and the president to do their will, that they are willing to hurt the American people as much as they can to do it. And they, by the way, and it will not happen. I'm going to get to a point where Joe Biden's going to come down to the, the House and come on, guys, I beg you. Let me, let me, let me get us back to work. What are you guys? 1928, Hoover's elected. Immediately, the stock market crashes in October of 29. He basically, everything they get. Democrats picked up like 100 seats in the House to have a bare majority there. They picked up uh, enough seats to have a bare majority in the Senate. And by the 1932 election, they picked up like another 100 seats with FDRs running. And they basically had a filibuster-proof majority in the Senate. They had a, a more than a veto-proof majority in the House, and they were able to put the new deal through. That's kind of what you're looking at is going to happen here. That's what you're looking at is going to happen. I mean, that's just kind of what they do. House Majority Whip Tom Emmer is primed to run for a leadership promotion in the aftermath of Kevin McCarthy's unprecedented removal of Speaker of the House. Once again, they've had votes to remove the Speaker. This is the first time it's actually succeeded. A source with direct knowledge confirmed to the Star Tribune that Emmer had started calling fellow House Republicans and is planning to try to run to become the next majority leader. The source said that Emmer supports current Majority Leader Steve Scalise of Louisiana in the Republican race for Speaker. The House Republicans are scrambling to find a path forward after McCarthy was removed as Speaker in the historic vote on Tuesday. A small group of Republicans teamed up with House Democrats. Well, no, the Democrats, they didn't team up per se. They were basically, you know, the House Democrats weren't going to go out there. It was interesting. I've been reading a lot about McCarthy's massive mistake on going on CBS on Sunday morning after they passed the stopgap spending bill and blaming the Democrats, who basically were the ones that saved that bill from not, from getting passed, saying they were trying to stop the bill. And even she laughed at them and said, what are you talking about? The Democrats are the ones that got this passed for you. And that basically, that interview was enough for the Democrats to say, well, I mean, if this is the way he's going to treat us when we help him out, well, we're not going to help him out. That was the end of, there was no, apparently that, that was a discussion that was on the Democratic side. And they basically said, oh, well, no, we're not going to help that guy. So, um, you know, it was basically eight Republicans, you know, when you have such a narrow majority, that's all it takes. I mean, they had what, uh, five, seven, seven votes, seven votes. They got eight. No, it was, is it, what was the, what's the margin? How much did they have to have? It's uh 222 to 213 is the margin. So I think you can lose five in that five. Scenario. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And they were at eight. Uh, all four Minnesota Republicans in the house sided with McCarthy. Emmer, uh, gave a speech before the vote, by the way, foreshadowing. 
Emmer gave a speech before the vote, extolling the speaker and praising the Republican majority's work so far. God, that was one of the funniest parts of the whole thing was these Republicans saying, let's talk about all the things that Kevin McCarthy's done. He has? He's been there for like eight months. You act as if basically it's, it's you know... Yeah, I mean, he's Churchill. Come on, man. It's it's it, He didn't do that much. Emmer is currently serving his fifth term in the House, led the House Republican campaign arm during the 2020 to 2022 cycles. How'd that go, by the way? Oh, that's right. They got their asses handed to them. Uh, at least here in the state of Minnesota. Republicans won back the majority of the last fall by a small number of seats. They were expected once again. This is, this is Tom Emmer. He was in charge of this campaign. They were supposed to have a red tsunami. They barely have control of the house, and it's showing how much they can't do a damn thing. So, yeah, he failed spectacularly there. Followed that performance, Emmer won a competitive inter-party race to become the House Majority Whip. In the whip role, Emmer has the job of counting votes and building Republican support for legislation and the very thin majority. How is that going, by the way? Oh, that's right. The guy that you were you were banking behind just got voted out. So you're really doing a great job there, whippy. So I would be, <clears throat> I got to tell you the truth. I would be shocked. I got to tell you, I, this is just such a mess for them because it's clear there's only two paths that the next speaker of the U.S. House is going to be able to go. Either one, you make all these promises to get the speaker role and then immediately you realize, well, I can't get anything done if I'm demanding a uh, reduction in lower income education costs. So you're, you're not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be able to get anything done there. Then on top of it, I I mean, I need to, you know, I need to get some things out of this bill. So I better be ready to negotiate, which immediately will get the ire of that far right group. Again, there'll be another call to, to replace the speaker. And then comes the next guy to fail. Or you do what this far right of the party wants to do which is to kill the system. And there is this simpleton mentality that you can just unplug things and things will go great. (sighs) Things will, will go horribly and badly, and a lot of government services will not be available. But you see, is the Republicans, they are so determined to try to rub the Democrats' face in it that they will... Shut this government. I have zero doubt it'll shut down in November. It's going to shut down, and it's probably going to be midsummer next year. They're going to basically get you are looking at a hundred seats going to the Dems. You had better end this now and get out there and act as freaking bipartisan as you can, or you guys are done. And then they'll come out and they'll, and I said this yesterday, they'll come on out and what they'll do, they'll come out and they'll say, We made our point. And they'll try to run with it. That is going to be my guess. But I, I mean, I think that those are the only two paths you have. You try to re- do the job of the House Speaker of the House, find compromise, work together with the other or the other elements, and not try to force your agenda down their throat. Or you try to force your agenda down your throat, and you end up failing spectacularly. The stupid thing about the House Republicans is they seem to think that they can somehow shift the blame from themselves to other people. And that's just not true. And even with Fox and Newsmax and OAN and all these right-wing news outlets saying, well, they'll pass a bill. Why hasn't the Senate and the president signed it yet? The reality is, is no one's buying that because you got to work with the other side. Even the Senate Republicans are trashing the House Republicans right now. 
It is amazing. It is amazing. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Twins win it yesterday. 3-1. God, they looked good yesterday. That play by Carlos Correa could be the greatest play a shortstop's ever made in a Twins uniform. It's up there with, uh, I know we're a little sports-centric here, but the Derek Jeter play when he threw out that guy from, in Oakland. Yeah, like running, across, running across yeah. the field and getting the ball that was foul and throwing it and conveying it there. No, yeah, that was that was as good as it gets. And Royce Lewis. Royce Lewis, man. That, that guy's going to be a superstar in this league. That was a Kirby Puckett-like performance That was just that there. second home run, he didn't even look like he swung on it. I mean, that he, he, just, he just looked like he poked it, and it went into the upper deck in right field. Unbelievable. Uh, about six minutes, they start the next game, right? That is correct, yep. Uh, Gray, I, I've got faith in Gray. He's actually a better pitcher than Lopez. So, you know, hopefully the Twins can take care of business here, and then they, they I think it's at Houston on Saturday, isn't it? That's correct. If they win, they go to Houston. For Saturday. They get a game on Saturday. So hopefully they get the win today and they can take a few days off. Because then I think that sets them up because then it's a Ryan would go first. And then you don't have to bring in Kenta Maeda yet. You can go back to Lopez and then to Gray for the home game here. And then think about, do you want to bring in uh, Kenta Maeda if you need him at that point? So, you know, you kind of preserve – if you get it today – you really kind of preserve things nicely for that series with with Houston. So that, that's good news there. 952-946-6205. Before I get to Stein here, I do want to mention this. Someone's in trouble in her district. Remember how I talked about how these districts, these Republican safe districts, the problem is, is that the, the, the voters in these districts keep levitating towards the more extreme side of things. GOP U.S. House Rep. Michelle Fishbach will now have to contend with a primary challenge for a deeply red congressional seat. Steve Boyd, a small business owner from rural Kensington, Minnesota, announced his campaign earlier this week. In an interview with the Star Tribune, Boyd talked about election integrity, and he said he thinks that Donald Trump won the 2020 presidential election. By the way, FYI, Trump lost that election to Democrat Joe Biden. Uh, so yeah, this isn't, um, this is, yeah, this, this is exactly what it sounds like. It's one of these delusional nutbags basically saying, you're not going out there and throwing yourself at the president to stop him and tell him to put Trump in office. Boyd 38, who also falsely cast doubt on the safety and effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccines. The vaccines have proven critical in holding, uh, helping people around the country. Some may consider me extreme, Boyd said. I do. Everyone else? Yeah, okay. Uh, That's fine. I don't consider myself extreme by any means. Well, because you're a fool with myopic vision, okay? I I just believe in fantasy vote counts and that there's zombie things and viruses. I don't know where you get the fact that I'm a loon ball. Actually, I don't know if he believes in the zombie thing. But he does think that COVID wasn't real. You would have been fun in the medieval times. The plague is a joke. It's not real. <laughs> that would have been the end of you. Anti-plaguers could have been out there in the I Middle think, Ages. I think blisters make a person more handsome. Uh, and who doesn't? Really? Well, what's the equivalent of horse dewormer to uh, or yourself in the Middle Ages? Leeches. <laughs> 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 Oh, God. 
Maybe doesn't maybe hey, we're talking middle ages. Maybe the guy thought that's how you take care of COVID today was leeches. I don't know. <laughs> uh Fishbach, who won her Western Minnesota congressional seat in twenty twenty election by defeating longtime Democratic incumbent Colin Peterson. And by the way, I don't I love to take this moment to remind everyone in the Minnesota seventh district. You got rid of the head of the Ag Committee in the House, who was diverting so much money to the Minnesota 7th Congressional District. And you guys said, we're going to get the same amount of money with a Republican. And you haven't even gotten close. And you're not about to get a brand new loon ball in there, because I guarantee you this guy's going to put the fear of God in Michelle Fishbach. Because I guarantee you, this, all this zany stuff, it plays out there, out in seven. It is going to play. So you're going to have an anti-vaxxer, loon ball, Trump loon guy running around the seventh district. And Michelle Fishbach is either going to have to become just like him to hold that seat or else she's going to lose. Uh, and I'm sure, oh, but I'm sure that he'll get as much money as Colin Peterson for that district. I can't guarantee it. You guys didn't make a mistake at all. Someday it'll make a night. Uh, in the hours after the January 6th Capitol insurrection, she voted against certifying Biden's win in Arizona and Pennsylvania because she's somewhat of a loon ball, too. Fishbach has gained stature in the House GOP by serving the Influential Rules Committee, despite representing a farm-heavy district. Fishbach served for only one term on the Ag Committee and is no longer part of that House panel, now holding parts in the Ways and Means along with the Budget Panel and the Ethics Committee because, basically, she's not going to be able to deliver for you. Remember, she promised she was going to deliver for the Ag people. Oh. Yeah. Attempts to read Fishbach's campaign were unsuccessful, and the representative did not comment when asked earlier this week on Capitol Hill. Fishbach easily won the second term in the 2020 midterms, uh, but the latest financial report shows at the end of the June, Fishbach's campaign only had about $87,000 in cash. Really? Well, your district's doing great for you, but don't worry. I'm sure there's some dark money options that will funnel a ton of money in there. Well, maybe for your opponent. I don't know. Oh, 87,000. That tells you how much people like you. News release on Boyd's campaign website describes him as a Christian conservative husband and father of five who owns a turf management and mosquito control company serving residents of Douglas, Grant, Pope Stevens, and Swift counties. Boyd says he and Fishbach probably agree on principle on most issues, I would suspect. And so where I come in is more unwilling to lean to some of the more potentially more controversial issues, which month, once again, he doesn't think. He himself is admitting these are controversial issues, but earlier he said, I don't think I'm too extreme at all. Sure you're not. Sure you're not. You guys, you did this to yourselves, man. This is, this is you did this to yourself. As a matter of fact, when we do return, we shall bring in Jeff Stein. And I'm sure he has some thoughts on the absolute howler monkey throwing feces exhibit that is the U.S. House right now and the Republican Party. We'll talk about that when we come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Jeff, 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 J-E-F-F, Jeff, J-E-F-F, Jeff, J-E-F-F, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Jeff Stein's our national and presidential expert, noted author, find his books at Next Chapter Books and TotallyIowa.com, the Iowa Business Report, the Iowa Politics Report. 
come to us from his flagship station, KXEL in Cedar Falls, Waterloo, where Jeff is right now. I'm guessing drunk. Uh, Jeff, how are you today, my friend? Well, is it a day that ends in the letter Y? Yes, yes. it is. Well, then, yes. let's drink. We'll we, get we started drinking early. Get them lined I, up there. Didn't. <laughs> I mean, the way this show goes, usually, I figure you'd started before me. It's shockingly, I don't drink anymore. I mean, I know that that's so people think meth, but no, it's not. It's just, I'm just this way. Uh, so I, I like to see when you say, I don't drink anymore. And then the retort is, and I don't drink any less either. Yeah, it's the da, same da, da, amount. Da, 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 da. Okay, so I'll start off on friendly terms uh, with uh, the the baseball playoffs now. Uh, who is Iowa mostly rooting for the Twins? Do you know or anything like that, or is there any interest? I mean, do you know anything about sports? Can I ask that? I used to know a lot about sports, yes. and then when sports and politics got too mixed, it's like, okay, is this just craziness? So I literally was at the barber shop yesterday, and I looked up and. Okay, they're there. What was it? Is like Texas and Tampa Bay yep. or whatever playing. I'm like, oh, okay. And then the thing comes on the screen saying, stay tuned. After that, it's somebody and the twins. And I thought, what, is this 1965? The twins are, are in the playoffs? Okay, wow. I was stunned by this. 65? Wow. You really have not paid attention to sports in a while, have you? Harmon Killebrew was no. uh, <laughs> the killer, killer room. Here's, here's my problem. Yeah, okay. All I knew about the Minnesota Twins this year, I learned by reading your tweets, your angry posts yes. on X during yes. the season. And near as I could tell that, you know, you had 100 losses and you were 40 games behind. How was I to know you were winning a division the way you were tweeting out? Well, because we weren't. Uh, and and it, you have to understand, it's like for like April and May, half of May, we were great. And then we were just garbage up until early August. And then all of a sudden, Royce Lewis came in and the clouds parted and this team <laughs> became something a heck of a lot better. And there should be pastoral music playing yes. in the background. Oh, now harps and game. angels, my friend. Harps and angels. And, and see, the problem is it. this used to be Twins country. It did. And then, and then we relaxed border security on the eastern end of the state and all of these... Stupid Cubs fans oh, came in with all of their baggage, and then you've got the angry White Sox fans, and so they just kind of have their little, you know, backroom brawls, and then you know, I don't. You get and you get some of the Royals fans too, which that's like, what's wrong with you? Oh. Anyway. Well, by the way, your uh, I think it's Class A team for the Twins. Um, He's in Cedar Rapids. Yeah, see, they've they've the Colonels down there. They've been down there for years. Cedar they? Rapids Colonels, yeah. and that would be Colonels as in corn, yeah. not as in Sanders. As in, <laughs> not as in delicious bucket of chicken. No, not, <laughs> that's uh, uh, it's it. No, yeah, they've been down there forever. And you know, you guys yeah. now that they've got their AAA team in St. Paul, the St. Paul Saints are now their AAA yeah. team. It's nice to have these kind of stopping points that are near Minneapolis well, so they can, you know, easily can then, get some, send them down there really easy. You've got a relationship. And I know in our sports report this morning, uh, our, our anchor pointed out when so-and-so, I don't even know who it was, when so-and-so uh, was with the Cedar Rapids Colonels, he dreamed one day of whatever it is he did yesterday. And and so, yes, there is that connection. By it the had, way, do you it know had the be, it, had to be, it had to be Royce Lewis, by the way. It had to be Royce Probably. Lewis. Yeah. I suppose. That would have required me to pay attention and then retain the information, and I did neither. But do you know who the mascot is of the Cedar Rapids Colonels, which, again, is corn, not Sanders? Isn't it a big ear of corn? It's a big ear of corn. And do you yeah. know what, what his name is? Oh, no. Uh, Cobby? <laughs> it should have been. It uh. really should have. Instead, it's Mr. Shucks. 
Really? No, it should be Mr. Cobby. Shucks. Or is well, is his first name Cobby Shucks? I mean, I mean, it's he could run We're for office. That close. Yeah, I don't know him on a first name basis. I've never met him, but I know it's Mr. Shucks. God. And as we were talking here, wasting people's time, it occurred to me that there'd be a great promotion for Mr. Shucks to come out with a bucket of chicken. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> well, Cobby Shucks sounds like a manager in baseball from like 1920. <laughs> he does. <laughs> It's Gabby Hartnett and Cobby Shucks. And he and, ran the uh, Cleveland yeah. Spiders back when. You know, that's exactly. All right. Well, the Spiders, nicely oh, done. Thank you. Well, good yeah. work out of you. All right. <laughs> this is, the, I'm just, I'm going to just, let me go where for it. Where do you want to start? Let, let me go for this, okay. start? Far-right representatives who orchestrated McCarthy's removal would have never been allowed to run for office 30 years ago. But with Newt Gingrich, the party changed their qualifications for those who could run. The best Republican candidates were no longer based on quality, but unrelenting zealotry. On top of that, through obscene, obscene partisan gerrymandering, Republicans created safe GOP seats where a turnip with an R could win, with extremism being preferred, while at the same time using the far-right media to convince Republican voters that working with the other side was for losers. The real leaders forced their will onto the other side, trying to rub Democratic politicians' faces into Republican lunatic bravado. At least 30% of Republican voters don't want anything outside of seeing Democrats and their perceived enemies suffer, creating a self-feeding vicious circle of validation for the extremist friends politician. And that's how you got into this situation because I can't, this is a mess. And, and yesterday was as much as some, you know, Gates was running around saying this was validation. The reality is, is even the Senate Republicans are calling these guys a bunch of a laughing stock and a joke. And I just don't know how the heck they get out of their own way at this point. What do Elon Omar and Matt Gates have in common? They both voted to get rid of uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy yesterday. That's it. That's the one thing they have in common. And if, you, if you're a Gates supporter or you're looking at this gang of eight or whatever, just think about this. The one thing that those people agreed upon was to get rid of Kevin McCarthy. It wasn't for the far on each side to get together and agree on a, oh, I don't know, farm bill that will take care of producers and food insecurity. No, that's not where they aligned forces. They aligned forces on getting rid of Kevin McCarthy so that Matt Gates could settle a personal score. But oh well, but I don't a, think that. Be, well, let's be careful there. The Democrats didn't do that. I think the Democrats no, were no, no, so no. angry at him after the fa uh, the CBS appearance, where he blamed the Democrats after the Democrats saved his butt on the spending extension, where he well, blamed the Democrats. Uh, I think that it sounds like that actually caused the Democrats to say, "Okay, we're not going to help you at all." You could have called this vote three days after whatever it was, the fifty eighth ballot or whatever it took. Okay. And Democrats would have voted 100% against McCarthy. Why? Because they believe in party unity, and they knew that this was the trap. And those eight Republicans walked right into it. Yes, it I'm not being critical of the Democrats on this. <laughs> no, no. But, I mean, <laughs> I mean, when when somebody like Gates comes across the aisle and says, hey, I got this idea. You're like, well, you go, girl. You know, I mean, how do you not just say, I'm sorry, Kevin, because you're not sorry. And, and But here's the thing, and we talked about this, what is this month, October, nine months ago. Kevin McCarthy had a goal. Little Kev had a goal. When he was growing up, he wanted to be Speaker of the House. That's it. He had no agenda, no plan, no idea of actual governance. He wanted to be 
Speaker of the House. His best day was when he got to hold the gavel. Mm -hmm. There was no plan. So what did he do? He made all sorts of deals with the enemies from within. So he got to be Speaker. If you don't know what you want to do when you get it, it's pointless. And I have used this analogy multiple times today. It's like the dog who chases a car. And certain Subaru ads notwithstanding, dogs can't drive cars. And so what happens when the dog chases the car and catches it? Oh, my God, I got what I wanted, but what do I do with it? That was McCarthy's problem then. And that's now this gang of eight's problem now. Because who in the blazes other than Matt McNeil is the logical choice to be Speaker of the House? Well, and we'll get to that because it looks like a few people are lining up for it. But uh, I mean, John Boehner, if John Boehner was still in charge of the House, and by the way, there is no one on the Republican side that has the determination and the because he understood the role of the Speaker. If John mm-hmm. Boehner was there, those those 40 people on the right would would be sitting down, shutting up and doing exactly what he says. This does have to deal a lot with the fact that there is an incredible void of leadership in the House Republican Party right now. And everyone's just kind of looking around at each other saying, do you want to do it? Do you want to do it? And they're expecting someone to come up and become something like Boehner, who wasn't really a great speaker, but he oh, knew how to run no. the, his own caucus, for God's sakes. Well, OK, now that's the whole point. And. As opposed to Tom Emmer, with all respect to people in Minnesota, your whip has to be able to count. And that has always been, with due respect, his problem when they were bringing things to the floor. It's like, well, I don't know why it didn't pass. Because you couldn't count. Yeah. You know, I mean, so the fact that he quickly got out of the way on the race for speaker, good move, very good move. Um, You know, we had heard this back in January with... um, um, that was Tom Emmer calling me just now. <laughs> what uh, the he hell, wanted, Jeff? <laughs> he wanted he wanted equal time. Uh, when when it was ballot number, I don't know, six, seven, eight, and there was talk of, um, well, maybe the Republicans should float somebody else. And people went to Scalise and people went to Jordan and they were like, no, I'm, I'm not tossing McCarthy under the bus because he's our best chance to sort of kind of, I don't know, it was weird loyalty. Okay. Now that he's out of the way, now comes the interesting part, because be careful what you wish for. You wanted to get rid of Kevin McCarthy. And by the way, if you went down the list of Freedom Caucus members, vast majority of them voted to keep him yesterday. Why? Not because they loved him, but the timing was bad. I don't know how many of them I heard in various soundbites saying, I don't like Kevin McCarthy. I think he's a, he's a, a waste, but this is not the time to do this. Do it after we get the budget, if that doesn't turn out well. Okay, but, you know, I don't care that Jim Jordan won a national wrestling title. That doesn't mean he's going to put Gates in a headlock and get him to to toe the line. Scalise, nothing wrong with Scalise. Um, he is battling uh, lymphoma, and I, you know, and again, but he's he's in. But I just don't think that the the, you know, the next Sam Rayburn is not coming out of this bunch. Nope. All right. And I know I just crossed party lines, but you get the idea. There's you no know, Tip there, O'Neill is, in there. <laughs> there's, mm. there's nobody in there who is is the logical next choice. That's why I wonder, would they be smart picking someone? And I don't have a name, but who works behind the scenes, who's not Mr. Soundbite, Ms. Soundbite, not Flashy, a name that you'd have to go, wait, who? That might be the person that's needed right now. Because do we really need a flashy speaker? 
I, I don't know it, but who wants it. Okay, well, I'll get to that here in a second. <laughs> oh, uh, here's no, who a, wants it? Yeah. Here's a quote from Representative Kelly Armstrong, the Republican from North Dakota. The incentive okay. structure in this town is completely broken. We have descended to a place where clicks, TV hits, and the never-ending quest for the most mediocre taste of celebrity drives decisions and encourage, encourages juvenile behavior. I couldn't agree more with the statement. He n- understands exactly what the problem is. But right now, what you've got is this, is that the most of the Republicans will go along with those 40 or so extremist far-right Republicans, while at least eight of those far-right Republicans will not go along with the rest there. And when you're looking at a five-seat margin, well, there's your math right there. And and, and yeah. this is, this is I, I think that's it. I mean, you've got these people that do not care about the party. They only care about this self-cycling you know, media stream where they are beloved by their trolls and that's it. Well, first of all, with regard to the quote from the member of Congress, well, this just in, yeah. I mean, that didn't just happen yesterday. Well, and also, and, and also can we point out this guy was an, an unapologetic Trump, you know, supporter. And this is really what kind of got us here is this idea that a guy that was so clearly flawed was never held accountable by his own party. Well, this is how you get to the point where we're at right now. Well, how do you hold him accountable when he wins primaries and caucuses? You know, I mean, this is one of the problems that you have. If you're a, I don't even know what phrase to use, mainstream Republican, Bush Republican. I mean, all of these folks who wave nicely at Trump when he can raise money for them, but then, you know, they're glad to see him lose in 2020. Okay, that's fine. But you've got to bring the voters along with you. Look at the the Republican race right now. Worst case scenario in the polls, polls are crap, but still polls, Trump's ahead of any Republican challenger by 40 points. Not that he has 40 points, he's ahead by 40 points. Those are the voters, all right? And so if all of these Republicans can't make the case to voters, you know, what are they supposed to do? With regard to your point about you've got the 40 here on the far right and eight of the 40 are the, are the ones. Right. And if McCarthy had articulated a real vision as opposed to I'm in favor of nice weather and uh, apple pie and uh, rainbows, then they might have had a bigger majority. And then you could have absorbed the five uh, or eight or however many. But, but you see, is, that's the problem. It's the same math the new person's going to have, right? Yeah. The ma- and that's your point. The math didn't change. The personalities didn't change. And the problem is the, the eight on the right got their pelt. They, they, they got the trophy. You think they're going to sit back and go, okay, now we're going to take a backseat? Yeah. They're more emboldened than ever. Well, and they're they're reminiscent of early American political parties where there really wasn't a coalescing. It was just kind of a bunch of guys that had the same idea. But yeah. that's where the, in, the Republican Party is digressing in front of us. And it's becoming this party of individuals who occasionally come together when they need to. But not really, you know, they'll 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 act like they're friends, but they're not there. They're all in it for themselves. And mm-hmm. so it, it it really is digressing. Here's your problem here. Here's when you look when you look at what's going on here. Let me look at the transmission. Let me tell you what the problem is here. Your next speaker is going to have to do one of two things. They're either going to have to a do what a speaker does. Realize I can't just force my way, my agenda down anyone's throat. I got to get it through a sender. I got to get a presidential signature and I can't override a veto. So I got to work with the other side which means the second that they do that, they're going to get bounced and they're going to be looking for another person as speaker. 
or they're going to do what I'm going to guess they're going to do. They're going to curtail their agenda to that far right extreme right because they're just basically going to say, okay, fine, shut down the government. Government gets shut down for six, seven, eight months till next year when it's summer and they're realizing they're looking at a butt kicking on par with 1930, 1932. And then they frantically come on out and try to act like, oh, we're, we've always been bipartisan. And and the reality is, is I think that those are the only two paths forward. So if it's Scalise or Jordan or anyone, th- there's the trap that they have. They're either going to get bounced within the few, in a few weeks or they're basically going to get bounced badly when the, the American population votes them out in mass. A lot of people in the last day have said they got to get rid of this motion to vacate with only one person. All right. Correct me if I'm wrong. When Nancy Pelosi was speaker, well, first of all, the, the motion to vacate had been only only required one person for a long, long time. Yeah. And I believe it was during the Pelosi. And this is not a criticism. I believe it was changed to you need five. OK, so. Here's the thing. There are a lot of people who get, get rid of it. You, you need much more than one. All right, how about five? They'd have gotten five because they had eight vote against him. So, again, you know, I mean, it, you have to think a little more deeply on this where, well, is that darn Matt Gates? No, it was Matt Gates and seven other people. And so there's your, this is your problem. Do you then say, okay, we need 10 out of the uh, 435? I mean, it's... It, They've put themselves in a corner. Frankly, I'm afraid. I'm surprised Jim Jordan is even sniffing at this. I too. I don't know that I understand that. Um, well, I, I, I guess I do. Well, you know what it is? It's Ukraine, and that's what this is all going to come down to. I just noticed that I'm like jabbing my pencil at the screen at you. I'm sorry. It's it's very rude. I don't know why um, you're doing that, Jeff. Well. I, there's a whole host of reasons. Too much coffee, probably. But uh, you, Jordan doesn't want to fund Ukraine. Scalise is more open to the topic. That's what I think. That's what's going to be interesting if they supposedly are having. This is just so silly. Okay, no speaker. Let's go home for a week. Shut up. Are you kidding me? As opposed to sit in a room and figure it out. I got an email from uh, a news release from a member of Congress who flew home today and immediately set up trips to three counties tomorrow. To do what? Be proud? Anyway, that's a whole different issue. But so they're going to get together next Tuesday night. And let's say there's it's only the two. So it's Galise and it's Jordan. They each make their case a little town hall in front of the caucus. Then they vote on Wednesday. How that comes out is the prediction of what happens with Ukraine funding. Mm-hmm. I will just, because to me, well, if Scalise wins, there may be funding. If Jordan wins, that's going to be the priority because the, the problem, as you have identified it accurately, he said, jabbing the pencil again at the screen, is that they don't, what's the goal? What is the goal? Is it to cut funding? Is it to do border security? Is it to, you know, and, and this is one of the big problems. If the big issue is border security, then you're going to have to take some funding for Ukraine. But you've got to decide what it is that's your main issue. And instead, mm-hmm. the main issue is, how many hits did I get on Newsmax and Fox? Exactly. Like and, and we got to take a quick break here, but I will say yeah. this. Too many Senate Republicans want that money for Ukraine, so... I, right. I, I know where, where where are they going to go with this all right we'll take a break come on back jeff stein here on our wednesday 952-946-6205 it's the matt mcneil show right here on am 950 
950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. The Jeff Stein segment here for you on a Wednesday. So, Jeff, uh, Trump is really kind of pushing the borders here. I mean, I think what happened yesterday where he basically attacked a, 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 a court worker during the court case at noon and was pulled aside by the judge and said, no, this is not going to fly. I'm not going to have you basically dragging court employees, you know, and threatening them or endangering them no matter what. It's not, you're not, because no one has trying to raid this kid. And like I said, you had a chance back in 2015, 2016 to rein this guy in. No one did. You should have done that because now these courts are going to do it. And I don't know if you'll ever get to a point where they'll put him in jail for a night or something. But the reality is, is that he is starting to dance on some real thin lines. And God forbid someone actually with a MAGA hat starts attacking court personnel because then you're going to almost force the courts to have to put him, you know, have some sort of punishment for his actions. When you've never been told no in your life, it's hard for others to rein you in. And I think it's fair to say that Mr. Trump has never been told no, whether it was financing, whether it was, I mean, anything. And I draw the line at personal attacks like that. I, I mean, I just, here's the other thing, though, as a lawyer, what in the world, the judge is hearing the case. The judge makes the decision. You've already said that the judge is a biased hack. So already, good work there. And then you start tearing into the civil servants or the public employees or however you want to phrase it, Oh boy, I, I just it it gets so hard to defend that kind of action. See, it's one thing when it's Rosie O'Donnell. Let's go back twenty years. Mm -hmm. It's one thing when when he and Rosie O'Donnell had their little spat because they both can command attention as public figures. You start bringing court personnel in that that's much more problematic. I mean, just and and so, but here's the thing. So fine, he's daring. He's already said he's not afraid to go to prison. He's daring them to put him in jail for a night because what do you think is going to happen to the fundraising? And that is a sad commentary. Well, but I'm actually starting to wonder. It doesn't matter. I'm starting to think that it gets to a point here where no matter how much fundraising he does, his, his image is taking so much of a tarnish. Uh, Miley comes on out, basically says we, should, we don't very, very much clearly addresses Trump when he says we do not you know, throw our support behind a, a fascist. Um, Kelly comes on out basically saying all his comments about, you know, disrespecting the veterans and disrespecting the troops are true. You know, it, it, you know, stuff like this, you know, it only going to get him so far. And I think that as you watch this fight in the House, I think it predicates the fact that I think enough moderate Republicans are just tired of this. I just tired of eight years of this crap. Well, here, here's the thing. He stayed out of this House issue, and that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Uh, McCarthy did not ask for his help, which I found interesting uh, in hindsight. I think McCarthy had had his belly full of it. Just uh, That's fine. Just take it. it it's, do, not yeah. such a great, it's not such a great view up here. You don't need Millie. You don't need Kelly. You don't need any of those people. If the behavior of the individual, like what you started this segment talking about, he'll follow that way. He's not going to fall of the other way with the voters. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. I think if, if his behavior continues in this way, he becomes his own best asset and worst detriment. Well, and, and I think it's going to, it's, 
Yeah, he's basically digging himself a big hole, and I know he thinks it's gonna, there's going to be some rainbow to get him out of it, but I just don't see that. All right, we re-air this interview on the weekend. Uh, the Iowa Politics Report with Jeff will re-air that. We'll post that all tonight on social media. Jeff, we'll talk to you next week. Hour two, that's up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Wednesday. Matt and Brett here. Anita Gall is going to join us, of course. She is a, uh, a, a Democrat who's run out. She's out in western Minnesota. She's run on these really red districts, and she's an absolute saint. And she's actually part of the committee that's looking at the new flag. And so she wanted to come on, talk a little bit about it, why we're replacing the flag, and how you could possibly get your design in for the new Minnesota state flag. And some of these states, like, actually, I've seen some of the new flags that are out there, because a lot of states are revisiting these flags. And there are some ones that are really good, that are really nice. So that's that's pretty that's pretty solid. So 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. What is going on in our Twins game, Brett? Well, we got a situation here, top of the second. Blue Jays just bunted a couple runners over, so second and third and one out. Just one out. Yep. All right. Yeah, yeah, that was the bunt that uh, sacrificed him over. Okay. Well, interestingly, Toronto is going to their bullpen already. It looks like. Well, they said they said basically because they're at a point where they're eliminated, they have to play. Every pitcher outside of the starter for tomorrow is available. They say so. That's where they're going to go. Playoff baseball, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what they're looking for. Um, who's who's hitting now? I can see this. I can see the reflection. Yeah, you get screen. the reflection. Uh, yeah, it's so it looked, but they always look like they're running to third base. Uh, it's, why is he running over there? That's kind of weird. It's a good left-handed pitcher. Oh wait, he's right-handed. Uh, anyway, well, Sonny Gray is Gray looking okay? Is it? I mean, he's giving up legit hits. Yeah, they're legit hits. Yeah, struggling a little bit. Oh, all right. Hopefully, hopefully he hopefully gets he out of this through, mess. Yeah. All right. Keep us up to date if uh, if they score or if uh, we get out of the inning. Okay. I got to spend some time on the story that you and Cooligan talked about yesterday. This Don Gilman. Oh, yeah. Let this, them play. Let them play. Because, okay, we have to understand her entire identity in her campaign was, I did this let them play thing. This was me. This is who I am. Representative Don Gilman, the Republican from Dassel, shot to prominence when she raised over $500,000 for a nonprofit called Let Them Play Minnesota, which had sued Governor Tim Walz twice in an effort to keep high school athletes on the field court and rank during a pandemic shutdown because heaven forbid kids die. <laughs> you know, yes. heaven forbid kids die. As the founder of Let Them Play Minnesota, a grassroots movement that exploded to more than 25,000 members, I raised more than $500,000 in less than a year, said Gilman, on her campaign page. Now, it should be put into motion that and it's time for Matt's Math Corner. Um, she says she has 25,000 Members, do, 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 do. Okay, yeah, 25,000, uh, divided by the state population, I believe is 5700000, which equals 0.00004% of the population. So not exactly a stunning, overwhelming amount of support there. Just FYI. Uh, so 25,000 members, not a lot of people. Uh, Gilman says in her campaign page, we demanded that Governor Walls reopen their schools and athletic programs in the fall of 2020. We succeeded. I understand the passion and energy it takes to get things done. I don't know if you succeeded as much. Uh, most of the schools were kind of remote learning, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not quite sure what you're, what you're talking about there. 
The first-year lawmaker rode the wave of recognition to the seat in the legislature, winning over 70% of the vote in her central district, about 40 miles south of St. Cloud. The nonprofit, however, has never filed an IRS tax form. Okay, I want to... She never... She started a nonprofit, and she never once... Okay, she started a nonprofit that was based on selfishness and arrogant, incompetent idiots thinking they knew what's best for everyone else because I read something on the internet that says this COVID's going to make you magnetic. That's, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing it was. It's really not that dangerous. <laughs> we lost 15,000 people in the state of Minnesota. That's all the people that died. We had hundreds of thousands of people sick in the state. Many people in the state have now crippling medical debt, including in your district, because you didn't think this was a big deal. And instead, you wanted to get your little Billy out there to play some baseball. The entire concept of your organization is based on selfishness and greed, and I'm sorry, I have no respect for you. You don't don't look at me and say you're a Christian when you basically are willing to throw as many people into the cemetery under COVID because I gotta play some baseball, I gotta play hockey. I don't agree with your organization. I don't agree with your principles. I don't agree with who you are. And frankly, as a Christian myself, I don't see how the hell you're Christian in any capacity. That being said. So you start this thing, and I'm going to do this, and I've got speeches, and I'm going to do this. And you, and you, you use this as your, your kind of your whole, this is your identity, your thing. You didn't understand. Okay, so your best case scenario is you didn't understand <laughs> that you had to file taxes as a nonprofit. I, I, that's your best case scenario. Your worst case scenario is you just intentionally didn't do it. So, did they get out of the inning? They did, yep. No runs. (laughs) The nonprofit, however, never filed an IRS tax form known as 990s. The other required financial documents showing how to spend its donations. Let Them Play Minnesota had its tax-exempt status evoked by the IRS earlier this year for failing to file financial documents for three consecutive years. Now, I don't know what that means. Does that mean that they basically... Don't they they have to pay taxes on the previous three years, or does that mean that just from this point forward they have to pay taxes? Do you know? It's a good question. I would imagine if they had owed taxes and they didn't file, you're yeah, they, tax it. yeah. They're basically that would my guess is that they would be there would be some sort of 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 penalty because you never filed taxes. So basically, you were never a nonprofit. Technically, that and I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the law is on that. The federal government requires all tax-exempt nonprofit organizations to annually submit 990s and other filings for transparency and accountability as they detail how nonprofits pay their employees and use donations to fulfill their stated mission. Without the documents, unclear how Let Them Play Minnesota spent its purported $50,000 in donations. Sam Deal, the attorney for Let Them Play Minnesota, attributed the lack of filings to a miscommunication. Okay, this wasn't one year. This wasn't one year. This was... Three years. 
After Governor Walz's executive orders restricting kids' participation in sports were finally lifted, Let Them Play Minnesota has been less active. During this period, the miscommunication led to misfilings, Deal said. This is being corrected administratively, and we understand should be resolved in short order. Does that mean that you'll be able to refile those bills? Because I mean, on one side, I, mean, I almost kind of wonder, did they purposely do this because they don't want to see people to see where the money is going? Because now that they're no longer a nonprofit, people don't, they, no one's going to have to see where the money goes. So it's the case. Uh, they said this should be resolved in short order. That's not accurate. However, the group has missed three years of filings, not just a single filing. When the reformer reached Gilman on the phone, she said she was in poor self. This is the best. Here is, this is, this is the, I've got my voice. I'm not going to stop speaking out. When the reformer reached Gilman on the phone, she said she was in a poor cell phone service area and she called back, but she never did. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> the deal statement came from the House GOP spokesman who did not elaborate on why Let Them Play Minnesota had not filed documents for three consecutive years. Ryan Wilson, the former GOP candidate for state auditor, who is also an attorney for Let Them Play Minnesota, declined to answer <coughs> the Minnesota reformers' questions, citing attorney-client privilege. Without the tax documents, it's impossible to know how Let Them Play Minnesota spent the purported $500,000, but the money may have gone to pay for attorney fees and in the two federal lawsuits. In December 2020, Let Them Play Minnesota sued Walls and other state officials in the U.S. District Court, challenged the temporary statewide ban on new sports to mitigate COVID-19, which Walls issued the month prior. Let Them Play Minnesota attempted to hold a protest outside the or about the order at the state capitol, but officials denied the group's request. The nonprofit sued. There we go. All right, there we go. A little bit, a little bit of cough. The nonprofit sued, saying their members' First Amendment rights were violated. So they they sued initially to hold a protest at the state capitol. Officials denied the group's rights. The judge uh, ruled against Let Them Play Minnesota, stating the government had legitimate reasons for the protest denial, among them reducing COVID-19 spread within the group itself. The nonprofit appealed, but the appellate court dismissed the case. Let Them Play Minnesota filed to voluntarily dismiss this lawsuit, according to court records. So they admitted they were wrong and they lost, and that was that. Three days after they filed the voluntary dismissal, Let Them Play Minnesota filed a more expansive lawsuit in federal court, asserting that Minnesota's youth sports ban violated the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment, while the state's masking and quarantine requirements for youth sports both violated due process rights. In August, and once again, I, I want to make sure we, we say the same thing that I've said before multiple times. You don't want to get vaccinated. That's fine. You don't want to get vaccinated. That's fine. There are consequences for you not getting vac vaccinated. Though There are consequences for that. And what you didn't want is any of the consequences for your own personal decision. You didn't want to get vaccinated but then you didn't want anything to shut down. You didn't want to, you wanted to be able to go mask free at a concert. You wanted to be able to force your employer to go in there. And that's not your right. And you became convinced that your right not to get vaccinated, which you always had, somehow gave you super rights that basically you could force your way onto anything. I don't, I can cough in your face and there's nothing you can do about it. By the way, try doing that. You do get sued and you actually can go to jail for that. That's actually happened a few times. Um, 
In August 2021, a federal judge dismissed the second lawsuit because the Minnesota legislature passed a law revoking Walls' emergency powers. The judge said the legislature and other state officers had done what the nonprofit was seeking, so he dismissed the suit. Gilman, the mother of five, who said the media reports that she ran for office because of the organization she she did with Let Them Play Minnesota, through judges, though judges ruled uh, against the nonprofit in both the lawsuits, Gilman told Alpha News that the lawsuits were successful because they were able to get discovery and acquire data about the presence of COVID-19 in Minnesota, which, by the way, once again, 15,000 people died of in the state of Minnesota alone. And Christians used to care about something like that. If you used to be able to say to a Christian, holy God, there's something that's going to kill 15,000 people unless we do something, they used to say, oh my God, really? What, what do we need to do? Let's, let's try to save as many people as possible. Then basically came COVID and Trump, who played these people like fiddles, who were like, you deserve to die because you're old. So Christian. So Christian, by the way. It, uh, anyway, I just I have no, no patience with any of these people. We kept the, poli- uh, the politics out of it, even though the governor was playing politics with their kids. What are you talking about? All you were doing was playing politics with this. We figured out ways we could work together and keep the kids in the common goal. And that's what I'm choosing to do when I go down to work at the Capitol. So I'm going to, because I'm going to imagine a lot of people are just going to kind of kind of move on from this. Because I imagine, I mean, I don't think anyone else has covered this story outside of the Minnesota Reformer. Um, so I, I want to ask Dawn, Dawn uh, can I ask you a question? Where's the 500K? Well, seriously, where's the 500K? You took 500K. You organized. You did all this stuff. You were fighting for the man. You know, that sort of thing, right? That's what you were doing. Um, where's the 500K? I, I have zero doubt some of that money went to the lawyers that were described in this case. I have zero doubt about that. I mean, but that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And I don't know, maybe federal cases... Maybe take a little bit more, but I'm going to guess at at most of the five hundred thousand dollars that once again you had a tax free status because you were listed as a nonprofit. I'm going to guess three hundred thousand of that went to lawyers. So that means two hundred thousand dollars of that was just out there. Where did that money go? Where? Why don't you do? You know, you're you're about you know, you know, basically. Trying to back what was what was the, what was the line here when you're talking about doing that whole thing where you're talking about uh, the uh, you know the uh, talking to, to about you know Alpha News and all that stuff. Uh, you said something to the effect of you're successful because you're able to get discovered and acquire state data about the presence. All right, so you, you're you're one of these people that wants people to know information. So it's time for you to put your money where your mouth is, and basically tell us where's the money. Where did all this money go? Because I think it's only fair for that that massive 0.00004% of the population that gave you $500,000 to know where their money went, to make sure, you know, due diligence, that there wasn't any malfeasance. There wasn't any, you know, jamming money into people's pockets and stuff like that. So just tell us where the money is. If you're going to correct this, if as as these lawyers have implied, 
that means you're still going to maintain a nonprofit status, which means you do have to share where this money is going, which apparently you haven't done that either. So either you need to, you know, kind of let us know where the money is it because you're a nonprofit. But even if not, why don't you just let us know where the money went, you know, on the up and up. Just just to be above board, Dawn. <laughs> so that we don't think you're a hack, Dawn. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. We'll take a break. Come on back. I got a few more questions about that case in Granite Falls. Uh, which I'll get to here. And then, of course, uh, we got Anita Gall joining us to talk about redesigning the state flag. That comes up in a moment. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. So I have been, I started talking about this this incident last week, and I'm going to continue to talk about this because I'm a little concerned about the justification. Okay. If a police officer is under threat, obviously they have the the right to discharge their weapon. Although there should be, you know, one of those cases where are you doing it because you're under a threat or are you doing it because of convenience? When they when the trooper shot that driver out on 94, they decided to kill him as opposed to just try to track him down later. That was, that was this, we're just going to murder you now. And like I said, there is nothing more infuriating for me than the same troopers that just put three rounds in the guy. Come on, buddy. We're going to save you now. Shut up. Just shut up and realize you just murdered a man that you're going to track down at any point. That being said, there are times where indeed there is undeniable evidence that the police need to fire their weapon. They are under a case. We had the, the case where the police officer was shot <coughs> somewhat pseudo ambushed, although, I mean, they still don't really know the full story on that one. And so when the story up in Granite Falls came down, I, I initially was like, okay, th- there was, there wasn't a lot of detail in the story. And it sort of sounded like, okay, did they shoot this guy because they just didn't want to run after him? Or did they shoot this guy because he was a threat? I'll read the story. The Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension released identity of the Granite Falls man shot by police. They released it on Tuesday yesterday. The BCA said Dylan McCade Anderson Butler, 23, was shot once on Wednesday following a traffic stop conducted by a cooperative enforcement effort drug task force, was taken to Hennepin County Medical Center with a serious injuries. He has since been discharged into police custody. Anderson Butler Reportedly, a wanted fugitive from the Minnesota Department of Corrections was a passenger in the vehicle that was pulled over. Apparently, he had some some um, parole. He, he was being paroled, and he, so he had some violations there. So it wasn't. It's not like he was wanted for a series of of you know you know serious you know heavy duty serious crimes. He was just there was it was it sounds like there were some parole violations. He was a wanted fugitive from the Minnesota Department of Corrections with a passenger in the vehicle. He was a passenger in the vehicle when it was pulled over. He then fled on foot to the Granite City's. Falls City Cemetery. Responding law enforcement said a gun appeared to be in Anderson Butler's weight band when he started running. Now, this incident happened last Wednesday. They're still using the term appeared to be in there. It wasn't that they're saying there was a gun in his waistband. It appeared to be in his waistband. This is their own argument. The task force officers ran after him, and at one point, one deputy deployed his taser. The other fired his rifle 
The BCA said it has not given any indication where Anderson Butler threatened police with a gun or pointed it in their direction. It doesn't, you know, and the, the task force members weren't wearing any body cameras, nor did the police cars have dash cameras capturing the shooting happening. Now, I'm going to come back to that in a second here. Now, here's another line here. Authorities did find a handgun and controlled substances at the scene. All right, listen to what they just said there. They found it at the scene. Did they find it in the car after he ran away from the car? Did they find it? That, my, my theory is if this was on his body, they would have said the fugitive had a gun on him. They had drugs on him. He could have thrown the drugs and the gun to the side as he ran through the cemetery, which means then he was unarmed at that point. And you still found that stuff on the scene. All right. Now, the most important thing is, where was this guy shot? Was he shot in the back? Or was he shot in the front? Now, it's a shame you don't have body cam footage. My guess is going to be, okay, sure. Because if you did have body cam footage and it did show he indeed pulled his weapon, he turned around, shot, you got to give the, the officers in this situation all the credit because they were under duress and they did a shot, and the guy didn't die. That's what officers are supposed to do. They're not supposed to put 60 rounds in the guy. They're not supposed to do that. So if that's what indeed happened, I salute the officers involved. You did the right thing. But right now, I don't hear anyone saying that's what happened. And the real telltale sign is, where was the drugs and the gun found? And where was this, this the the... the Suspect shot. Was he shot in the back? The two deputies involved in the shooting of the Swift County Sheriff's Office are not being identified by the BCA as they're working to undercover members of the drug task force. An investigation remains active. Once it's complete, the BCA will present its findings without charging recommendation to the Chippewa County Attorney's Office for review. So someone on one of my Facebook posts about this story from a few days ago posted what appears to be dash cam footage from a police department. I do not know if it is this case. Let me describe what's on that tape. I'm not sure what that is. It could be a completely different case. I'm, I want to make sure we're very clear here. This individual claims it's dash cam coverage from that shooting, from that incident. Now, it's not a shooting. You don't see the shooting. What you see is you see an individual running and running away from the law enforcement at a fairly high rate of speed, the law enforcement, the first officer is just chasing after him and is clearly not going to catch him. After the individual turns to the right, which if this is the legit footage, well, I can't say what it is. I don't know what that is, but he turns to the right. He turns to the right. Officer turns to the right. Two other officers come running up. Both of them seem to have weapons pulled. One seems to have something that's chunky enough to be a taser. The other one seems to have a gun pulled. And they run up after them. I don't know if that's true or not. I've asked the individual, and I, 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 I can't check Facebook here necessarily during the show, but I did ask the individual, is this legitimately dash cam footage from this incident had not heard back by the time I came back. So all it is, is, is footage. That being said, I'm going to just say this. Where was the gun found? Was it found on the ground 
a hundred yards from the 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 shooter where the, or the, from the, the from the the suspect where he was shot because then he was clearly not getting ready to use the gun. Where was this in person shot? Was he shot in the back? Because if he was shot in the back, you shot him for convenience. And the officer that fired that gun should not be employed as a law enforcement officer in this state because that's not what the gun is for. The gun is not for you, so you don't have to run after the guy. And by the way, it does bring up the incident here. If you shot him, did the guy with the taser then run up and then tase him after you shot him? Okay. I think he's down, dude. Anyway, I'm not letting this go because <laughs> this Grandin Falls shooting, uh, there's something rotten in Denmark here. I, I, The fact that they still, a week later, have not given us real definitives, just these vague terms. A gun was found at the scene. He was shot. Well, was he threatening anyone? We're not going to tell you that, but he was shot. Well, where he was shot? We're not going to say that. But we had to air vac him down to HCMC, so I'm going to guess you either got him in the leg on a, a femoral artery or you got him in the in, in, in the torso. So if the bullet came in from his back, you got some explaining to do. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Anita Gall is going to join us. We're talking about redesigning the flag when we do return. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. It's a 0-0 after the end of the third inning with uh, Boreos. Uh, he always pitches well against the Twins, and he's pitching really well against us right now. So I hope that uh, the, the, the team can uh, uh, get through to him. Uh, we'll have to see how that goes there. So 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Uh, we are working right now to get hold of Anita Gall. As it is, this is actually a pretty cool thing. This this idea of uh, basically going out there and being able to redesign the state flag uh, because it, it does need to get updated here. And uh, the you know it's 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 kind of cool that a friend of mine and a person that I've had on the show is actually part of this whole little uh, th- shindig here. Uh, Anita Gall. Uh, of course, a great DFLer out in the west part of the state. She's run for office over there. She's uh, also, by the way, Anita, can I, I'm going to start off with this. That honey you brought me as a gift, holy <laughs> God, was that delicious. I'm st- I know, it's, it's good stuff. Next time I'm in the metro, I'll bring you more if you Please, need more. Okay, you gave me a big mason jar. I yeah, cracked I that sucker open to probably about the 10th of September. I'm almost out. Wow, you eat a lot of honey in your household. Well, I'll be sure. Maybe I'll bring you two just to tide you over. Uh, yeah, thank you. It's fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Uh, you are uh, currently the vice chair of the redesign the Minnesota State Flag Commission, and uh, you're kind enough to join today to join us to talk a little bit about this and encourage people to get out there and put their submissions in. Uh, first of all, how did you get involved in this? How did I get involved? Well, uh, this summer I was someone alerted me that there was a website where there's all these state commissions that are looking for people to serve on these commissions. So I was scrolling through and I happened to come across this one, the state flag and CO redesigns commission. And I thought, 
well, that's something I'm interested in. I'm a historian. This is part of history. This would be an interesting commission to, to be part of. Uh, so I applied for one of the three seats on the commission that is open to members of the general public. Uh, the rest are chosen from various constituencies around the state. So I applied, thought, I ain't got a shot, you know. But then a couple weeks later, I got a call from the governor's office um, informing me that the governor had chosen me, appointed me to be one of the three members of the general public. So I was so excited. I whooped really loud. I'm sure the staffer partly lost their hearing (laughs) because I whooped so loudly. Uh, But that's how I found myself on the commission. Uh, The state flag of Minnesota, as it currently is. Um, you know, it's, it, it's got the same problems a lot of flags do, which is as we kind of get on here, we start to realize, you know, maybe it's not the best representation of the people of the state, nor especially of the native Americans who basically, uh, they have a a bit of a grudge, a legitimate grudge, uh, on things to go here. Um, it, it is a fairly recognizable symbol here. I mean, th- that seems to be a lot of the goal. And, and by the way, we are not the only state that's done this. A lot of states have t- taken some time, step back and look at what their state flags represent and have to said, you know, we need to do something here to, to change this because this is, you know, maybe this was fine in the 1870s. It's not good now. Absolutely. We're not the only state really looking at what our state flag and state seal say and the message they give. Uh, Utah, I don't know if people have been following, Utah just approved their new state flag this March. Uh, Recently, Georgia and Mississippi decided to change their state flags because their state flags had the Confederate flag in it. And, you know, that's probably not the greatest representation of our state we can have. Um, and I know Maine and Massachusetts are also currently in the redesign process, too. So we are not like the, the only state in the union. We're not some outlier. A lot of states are stepping back and, and looking at their flags, too. And we should mention, I'll give you South Carolina redesigned their flag. Once again, another state that had the Confederate flag in their, in their flag. They redesigned it. It is one of the prettiest flags I've ever seen. It's that blue with the palm, the yes, palmetto the tree. Yes, blue with the palmetto. Oh, oh, it is beautiful. Oh, that's a fantastic one. So it's not like I mean, in, in, in our flag right now is relatively busy. There's, there's lots of there's lots of stars. <laughs> there's the understatement of the year. Relatively busy. Yeah, <laughs> there's images. There's a story there. There's a you know there's letters and stars and all these things. And, and it, it's a proof positive. When you look at the South Carolina flag, you don't have to have a ton of stuff on there. You can basically have a very almost, I don't want to say minimalism, but a, a fairly minimal design and color scheme. And you can end up being spectacularly beautiful. Oh, you are absolutely right. In fact, there if we've done a research in vexillologists. Wow, that word's wow. a mouthful. You know, flag experts recommend, recommend that flags should not be this busy. Minnesota's flag violates basically all of the principles of good flag design. The simpler, the better. A kid should be able to draw your flag. What kid could possibly draw that, uh, what did you say, relatively busy? It's a busy flag. <laughs> it's a busy flag. Nobody can. So simple is beautiful. Let's create a simple and beautiful new flag. Well, it's not Maryland. I mean, Maryland is a mess. You know? Okay. <laughs> okay, they do violate the principle of simplistic, but you got to admit it's distinctive. Because oh. that's another one of the five principles. Be distinctive. 
it's distinctive. Oh, for sure. And it is, but it is really. And I think in a lot of the states, by the way, and it is amazing how similar at one point all the flags in the upper Midwest really were. They were almost was the same exact scheme, basically. You know, Absolutely. Yeah, that kind of that middle shield with the design on it. Stars, mm-hmm. numbers, letters. It was it, it was very common. At, I guess it must have been in the 1840s, 1850s. This was the flag design they went with. That's what I've heard. This was sort of the basic template. Okay. <laughs> so you need a state flag? Quick a minute. Use the template. Put your seal on a blue background. There you go. Yeah, I think there's 14 states that have this basic same design. So, again, violates the principle, be distinctive. You cannot look at our flag and be like, oh, yeah, that's Minnesota. Mm-hmm. You're like, that could be Nebraska. Yeah, it could. could. be Maine, um, which is, I think, one reason why Utah decided. They had that basic, you know, state seal on a blue background. And that's one reason they got rid of their flag. So. Uh, and their flag, their new flag looks actually quite nice, too. That actually is a very pretty flag, too. Um, the Talk about the members of this commission. Uh, are most of them, are they House Senate members? Is that where you're getting them? No, actually, um, there are 17 members on this commission, 13 with voting power, four with non-voting power, and the four are the legislatures. We have uh, two representatives from the state Senate, one from the majority and one from the minority, and then we have two representatives from the state House one from the majority and one from the minority. But they do they have they can speak, they can offer opinions and advice, they cannot actually vote. The thirteen of us who are the voting members of the commission uh are are just members of the general public who mm. were either appointed by the governor or appointed by various constituencies within the state. So we have uh, someone from the Council for Minnesotans of African Heritage. We have someone from the Minnesota Council on Latino Affairs um, and from uh, the Minnesota Tourism and uh, two members from the Indian Affairs Council. So we are a very diverse group of people representing a lot of different constituencies and viewpoints within the state. Now, let's let's talk about this because this is I, when, when, when I, you and I chatted and I said, I go, let's have you on there. One of the first things I said to myself was, well, I think the easy way you could go is kind of a dark blue bottom, kind of a green pine tree middle, and kind of a light blue top. And then the first thing I said to myself is, well, but that kind of ignores the agriculture side of the state. Yeah, yeah exactly. it does. And this is kind of one of the things where, you know, it's – and it's not – I mean, I think that that's relatively iconic, but at the same time, you want to flag – I mean, where you don't want to have, you know, 5,700,000 people, you know, all having one little dot on the thing. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's, you know, kind of like a magic eye. But at the same time, it, you know, you do, it, it does become interesting if you are going to go more minimal, which I think is the a plan here. How do you do that without missing? So, I mean, I, I'm going to guess there, there's always going to be some people that are going to be upset because they're going to feel yeah. as if it it doesn't represent, and I'm, I'm nothing against these communities, it doesn't represent Red Wing, it doesn't represent Grand Marais, it doesn't represent Thief River Falls. You know, so you, you got to be kind of careful, but I think you can put together a fairly simplistic flag that does represent the ag side and, and, and you know, maybe the metro area and then the lakes and stuff like that up in the north. I think you could easily put it together that's not going to be nearly that complicated. I would hope so. And, and you're right. A lot of designs that I've heard, are, you know, well, we need Lake Superior and we need the, pine, the Norway pine because that's a state tree or we need the loon. And I'm like, those are all excellent ideas, but none of those are on the prairie. 
you know. And so I really, one of the reasons I wanted to be on this commission is I think rural Minnesota needs a voice at the table, too, you know, mm-hmm. to make sure, like, hey, don't forget, there's another half of the state here um, that wants to have input, that wants to be part of this process. Ooh. But you're right, designing a state flag that represents all of us is going to be a challenge, well, I which did- is why we've opened this process up to the public, to have them help us come up with a flag that, you know, maybe not everyone's you know, excited about it. It's hard to please everyone, but the majority of Minnesotans are. Well, I okay, so I just came up with something here, all right? So, because I think... I know, I know, I heard it. Like, you should submit it, Matt. Submit it. All right, let, tell, me what, <laughs> tell, me what, tell me what... You're on the commission. You tell me how, you, how this goes. So, I think water, since water is, is pretty much everywhere, whether it's rivers or lakes, you have a dark yeah. blue bottom, and then you have, on the left side, in the middle, you have kind of tan representing crops you maybe have okay. uh, you know a little bit of a skyline in the middle and then on the right on the uh, on the left side it's the, the crops in the skyline in the middle and on the on the right side it's maybe some trees and then blue sky on top I mean, really fairly simplistic you know i mean obviously you're going to get some people like why is my building not included i guess maybe <laughs> uh, i mean or maybe we just put the chair on the food, or just maybe we just put prints on the thing can we just do a purple flag with prints on it and i think we'll all be good wouldn't we Okay, well, I'm going to tell you, we don't have a lot of rules we have to follow, but one rule that is in the piece of legislation passed by the, by the legislature, signed by the governor, says that our new flag cannot represent only a single community or person, regardless of whether real or stylized. So we cannot just put prints on the flag. Even when he had those cheekless pants? I mean, I think that really I'm- would be... <laughs> That would be a state flag. <laughs> that would be distinctive. I do agree, Matt, but it's against uh, the law creating this commission. So unfortunately, we cannot put prints on the new state flag. The man, Sorry. The man keeping us down on this one. All right. Well, and uh, so there goes Dylan, too. Right. Yep. So, all right. Let's talk about the process here, because obviously this is something you want the entire state, anyone that's in the state, that wants to put in, uh, and by the way, is it for Minnesota residents only? Actually, I'm glad you clarified that because I've noticed a lot of the media coverage it specifies Minnesotans can now submit flag and seal design ideas. It's not limited to just Minnesotans. This was a discussion the commission had. Should we limit it to people who are only with Minnesota residency or Minnesota addresses? And then we thought about, but what if you grew up in Minnesota? but you retired and you live in Arizona now. You just got tired of the Minnesota winters. Or what if you, you know, you lived in Minnesota most of your life, but you took a teaching job in China and now you happen to be living in China. Should you be disqualified just because you don't have a current Minnesota address? And we decided, no, it is open to anyone, but you will be asked in a hundred words or less to briefly explain your connection to Minnesota. So we didn't want to limit it by saying you had to be a Minnesota resident. You do realize you're about to get about, I'm going to guess, 100 Packer flags saying Packers <laughs> rule. You know, and then, and then, you, I know. Some people will troll us. I know. I know. We're, we're prepared for that. Uh, um, we're, we're not, to be honest, we have no idea how many submissions we're going to get. Maybe we get 500. Maybe we get 1,000. Maybe like Utah, we get 8,000 submissions. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, which is crazy. Some of these states have gotten thousands and thousands of submissions. And, yeah. so, and, and they've had classroom. And this is one of the things I love about this is it really is something that, you know, kids can be part of, too, because, sure, maybe not the artistic chops as someone who's like a 40-year artist, 
but they still can put a, a plan on in place and you can say, okay, this is not bad. I, I love the idea that, you know, it kind of is open to everyone. And I do hope you end up getting thousands and thousands of submissions on this. Do you know, like, I, do you know if we get thousands and thousands, thirteen of us have to go through thousands? Well, the, <laughs> thousands green, of submissions. the Green Bay Packer ones we can really put right into the, the the shredder right away, right? I think we're done with. We're all good with that. Okay, bye. Those are done. That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, so basically, yeah, if we get thousands and thousands, please do not talk to me in November. <laughs> submissions period closes on October thirty, and then we get right to work somehow narrowing narrowing all the submissions down to the five finalists in November. So now if a person... Don't talk to me. Don't contact me. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll be busy. <laughs> you'll be busy. Okay, so you, they have until October 30th. Now, how, do, how does someone submit their design? All right, so you can do it two ways. Like, like you said, we might have kids, and in fact, I just led a 4-H after-school program yesterday. Uh, went to talk to the little 4-H'ers, second, third, fourth graders, talked about how the flag was being redesigned. They were all excited. At the end, we all got our eight and a half pieces of paper, and we drew our ideas. And these kids had great ideas. Some put loons on. Some were like, the blue symbolizes water, right? We don't want to exclude anyone. So you can mail it in. There is a physical mailing address where you can put your piece of paper with your design on it, and you can mail it. And that is on the State Emblems Redesign Commission website. Website. And by the way, I'm going to uh, read that. Is, I'm going to read that here. Is it three four five West Kellogg Boulevard, St. Paul, Minnesota five five one zero two? Right. Th- that is right. You got it. You got it. Um, we ask, please put that in a Manila envelope and don't fold it. Okay. okay? If you All could, right. if you could do that, that would be really helpful for us in the commission. Um, and the website where you get uh, that that address and the su- there's a submission form because you do have to sign off. You know, like I understand that this is my original work and that I sign over my rights to this and I won't ask for compensation, things like that. Um, and that's at www.mnhs.org backslash serc. S-E-R-C. Yep. The right. Historical Society is doing is so helpful for this commission's work. They are providing all the administrative support. Um, so basically, you're going to the Minnesota Historical Society's website, and you'll find this SERC link to it. So you can mail it in, or you can just simply submit it online. If you've got it as a JPEG file or something like that, just submit it online digitally. And at the end, we've got until mid 11.59 p.m. on October 30 to mail us in the mail or submit digitally your ideas for the new state flag or the new state seal. Uh, and if you've got more than one, that's okay. Everyone can submit up to three of each. Only three people. All right, because we don't want Anita going crazy. Uh, but yeah, I, I know. We, we did talk about should we have unlimited, and then we're like, well, then what if we get... 10,000 entries. <laughs> it's another Green Bay Packer one. <laughs> another right, one. So we did have, we did put just a cap of three per person. So if you've got more than three ideas, you've got to narrow it down to your three best. Okay, Matt? So another one from Manitowoc. Ahead of yours, your three best. <laughs> All right. I'm going to post the story that, from the great Brianna Bierschbach over at the Star Tribune, where it has all the information on how you submit this. Yes. I'll put this out on the social media pages a little bit later on. But once again, if you do want to mail it to a manila envelope, do not bend it. Okay. And Don't you uh, do not bend it. You mail it to 345 West Kellogg Boulevard, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55102. 
And uh, so, they, they, and that is sending it to the Emblems Redesign Commission. And there you go. Uh, so that's you can send that on in. No more than three, and anyone can do this. I'm, I'll be remiss. i got to take a quick moment here because I think one of my favorite times of the year to go out into the, the, the prairie land of Minnesota is fall. How pretty is it out there right now? It is. The leaves are turning. I think we are in our peak season. We are also in the height of harvest season right now. Mm. Um, although the, yesterday, last night's rain has um, put a pause on that for today. So the trees are beautiful. The air is dusty because there's <laughs> a lot of combining going on. There's a lot of farm implements on the road, but it is a beautiful time of year. September, October is the best time of year in southern Minnesota. It really is. I mean, guys, those sunsets against those changing leaves are as pretty as they get. So... Oh, I might have to. I might have. I might have to come out and get some honey there. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Maybe you should just take a road trip, and I can bring you to meet my brother and his farm where he actually has the bees. You can see right where it comes from. So, I, as opposed he to, he says he's got a bumper crop of honey this year. Well, so. as opposed to pick your own apples, I am not going to harvest my own honey. I will get stung. No, so, no, we don't expect you to. No, okay, no, 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 go, no, go, no. Go <laughs> that's done for you. <laughs> Anita Gall, Anita, anytime you want to come on, my friend, you are always welcome on this show. You have something to talk about. And maybe what we'll do is we'll have you on the last week of October to remind people of the submissions and try to get them in. So we'll, we'll remind people of that at the end of the month. Um, and and we'll, 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 we'll you know, kind of once again put out those websites, okay? That sounds excellent, excellent. So, But, Matt, I'm expecting that as I'm looking through all the submissions at some point in November, I hope yours is there. I'm sending it to you first directly, okay? <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't because I don't want to be biased, right? And be like, oh, this, this is, oh, I recognize this is Matt. It's like, I've got to be an objective judge here. So don't put your name on it. Don't send it to me first. But I want to hear that you sent it in. It's, yeah, <laughs> Prince on the, the cherry and spoon. Yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll look for that one, all right? Uh, <laughs> oh, you can't do that, Matt, because then we'll have to put it in the disqualified pile. All righty. I'll, I'll, no. I'll, 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 I will submit one. I will submit one. I will see Excellent. how it looks. I will, I will see how it goes. And uh, I'll look forward to having you back on the air in a few weeks, okay? Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. I appreciate it, as always. My, oh, my absolute pleasure. Anita Gall, kind enough to join us. Let's take a break. Come on back. Wrap up the show for a uh, Wednesday, and we'll get an update on the Twins game from Brett here in just a second. It's the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950. Pruner's Supper Club invites you to enjoy drinks, a delicious dinner, and live music from both big-name local and national artists in a wide array of styles. Before or after your show, check out the new Maggie's Lounge, a perfect spot to visit with friends. It's open Wednesdays through Sundays beginning at 4.30 with cocktails and light fare. And you don't need a ticket to enjoy the great atmosphere of Maggie's. Pruner's Supper Club off Moore Lake and Highway 65, a little piece of old-school nightlife in the 21st century. The ruling on the field stands. You can register as an organ donor regardless. Maybe just me eating a Park Tavern burger. Or just the Park Tavern burger. I can't, no, I, they can't, I can't have me eating it. But like a Park Tavern burger, I mean, that, that that's a heck of a flag, isn't it? Well, the idea of you eating the burger well, on the flag. You can't have me eating the flag. That, or, that, <laughs> they, they, well, I could eat the flag on the flag. Well, that would be like surreal. Like that'd be Deadpool. Uh, no, I, you, I mean, come on, a purple flag with Prince in his, his cheekless pants. I mean, come on, that would be, would be awesome. 
be awesome. No one could claim they're being left out as you brought up the good point. Well, you don't represent this area or this area. Yeah, put Prince in there. Uh, uh, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Give us an update on the Twins game here. They are leading one nothing in the or 2 nothing rather, in the top of the fifth inning. All right. Uh, you you said they pulled Barrios? The, yeah, Toronto they pulled was... Barrios in the bottom of the fourth when the Twins scored both of their runs. So a little questionable decision there by the Blue Jays manager. Yeah, I, that doesn't make a lot of sense uh, if you want to know the truth. Yeah, that's that, when they scored their two runs as soon as they pulled him out. Uh, uh, one out, Sonny Gray still on the mound. There was a mound visit here. Is he looking bad? He's he, You know, he's getting the outs still. I, I mean, and the catcher's uh, just talking to him, so maybe okay, just, uh, maybe just signs and all that. See how he's feeling. He's at sixty-eight pitches. He could make it six innings. If he goes six, that's 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 gold. And then we're just ding, ding, ding. Oh, it's baseball playoff time. Let's hope they get the win. Go Twins. Uh, we we are back tomorrow. Native Roots Radio. I'm awake. That's coming up next. Have a good one until your Thursday. See ya.